the, the NFL stands for not for long. Second down and goal from just inside the two. Backs offset. Sharga and Armstead. Rollout. Walker. Still running out. Looks to the left. Wide open. Thompson touchdown. Colin Thompson with the touchdown. There was nobody within 20 yards. What of a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up. Lofting quarter. The end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. The first NFL touch for Colin Thompson is a score. What is going on, everybody? This is your host for Not For Long Media, Colin Thompson. Jack in the Backs joining us. Jack, how you doing, man? Doing good. You know, another busy weekend in sports. It wasn't the usual sports, though. We'll talk about it more, but we had some derby action, some F1, all that fun stuff. It was definitely a different weekend than the usual. And NFL draft, or usually football is always in the news for once. We had a quiet football week. A quiet football weekend. And Bede loses the MVP race. Uh, the NIL world is exploding. F1, which took over the weekend and almost trumped the Derby in a way. And Dick Vitale is cancer-free on a positive note. So there's tons that happened this weekend. I don't want to bury the lead, though, which we do every week here. At least I do every week here. And that's the great Larry Flowers joining us. Who the F is Larry Flowers? That's actually the segment they're doing on the Missing Curfew podcast. Uh, Check them out. It's an awesome hockey podcast uh, that – Two former NHL players, Shane O'Brien, Scott Upshaw, who played in Philadelphia, and now Larry goes on once a week, and they talk about the NHL. Larry Flowers is a famous jeweler. He's been a jeweler for several NFL players, specifically during the St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup run, where he was a part of the whole kind of jacks, the the private club in South Philly that's for, that's for the Mummers Parade, and uh, the Blues played in Philly. Larry is a Philly guy, but his boys all play for the Blues, right? So um, he goes to the game. He brings a setup, a private party for the team. That was the worst team in the NHL at that point in time. This is three, four years ago, pre-COVID. And he says, hey, listen, just come to this bar, Jack's in South Philly. We're going to have a good time. We're going to tear it up. They played this song called Gloria. One of the players kept asking play Gloria play Gloria play Gloria because he was dancing the whole time to it he's a foreign player you'll hear the story on here and the the literally the Blues went from rock bottom in the middle of the season to winning the entire Stanley Cup there were several several Philadelphia Flyers on that team Braden Chen being one of them and uh Craig Berube former Flyer former Flyer coach uh who was the assistant coach to start the year and the team got you know head coach got fired and uh, long story short, one of the win the cup. And Larry Flowers is a huge part of that. He talks about being a part of kind of the story and the just a mythological person that, you know, his figure has become because he's part of the Stanley Cup run, part of that team. Again, he's a team jeweler. He's a jeweler for NHL players, NBA, guys across the league. He's got awesome stuff. Check him out on, on his social media. So we're excited to have Larry on. He's got fantastic stories about behind the scenes of the Stanley Cup, private jets, almost getting kicked off the plane. Um all this just tremendous insight on what it's like to win a cup, be a part of it from afar, but also, you know, be in the mix of it too. So uh, we loved having Larry on and uh, it's been, it's been quite the ride. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've had some amazing guests on Shannon Spake, Mike Golick Jr., people like Larry Flowers. So and the list goes on and on. There'll be more to come. Uh, it's going to be probably some more hockey based stuff because the NHL playoffs are here and they're near and dear to my heart. So Jack, I had the chance this weekend to actually go to the Nashville Predators game. 
my wife and I flew to uh, flew to Nashville just Saturday morning, caught the game, and, and flew back Sunday. A quick flight from Charlotte, and uh, met the Bozeman family over there, our new center here in Carolina. So I had some fun in Nashville. Got to check out the game. What a cool environment for those that been in Nashville maybe for to party and have a good time and bachelor bachelorette party or whatever you're going there for catching a sporting event there or, or a concert right at the Bridgestone arena, right off of Broadway, literally right on Broadway is unbelievable. I mean, the crowds of people, you literally walk right out of the bar restaurant, right into the stadium and you're just having a blast. Then you get to you know have the whole experience of being at a predators game in the music city. It's just different than a normal environment at a game. I was waiting for people to start booing the refs when they came on the ice. It just didn't happen. Uh, I was waiting for maybe a little bit more coordinated chance, coordinated chance, like there may be at a Flyers game. It just didn't happen. But the overall ambiance, the feel, the pageantry is like nothing else. They have live music between each intermission. It's a much different vibe uh, than maybe when I grew up going to Flyers games or games in the Northeast, like at Madison Square Garden. Um, so I digress. What a cool environment it is to go to Nashville. You ever get a chance to catch a game there? Be tremendous. They need a, they need a uh, they need an NBA team there. You know, obviously they have NFL. I mean, they're probably up soon enough. I mean, I would have to assume they're going to expand two at a time. I know they're looking into it. They've there have been consistent rumors. It's probably Seattle's the definite one they'll probably go back to. And I think it's up between Vegas and like Tennessee, Nashville area. I feel like that's got to be the thirty second team if they're going to expand. Yeah, well, there's a ton of money now, so I'm sure they'll expand. And Nashville's expanding, you know. So, shout out to the Bozums for taking care of us the weekend. That was an awesome, awesome experience. But there's so much to go into. But for you, the Sixers fan, I have to just throw up the jump. The Sixers have tied the series two and two. Embiid has come back off the bench with the mask, the hand, the whole nine. We know it. He's being a warrior. He's just could be more of a Philly player right now. Everyone's loving it. But he got snubbed. He did not win the MVP. Jokic did out in Denver. What are your initial thoughts on that, Jack? Man, I mean, they everybody talks about this Nikola Jokic guy. He must be killing it. I can't wait to see when his next game is. I mean, that's that's the bottom line to me, honestly. I mean, you get destroyed in the first round. You didn't you avoided the sweep, you lose in five to Golden State. And I mean, I get the numbers, but they're saying, oh, he's like, it's historically the best offense when he's on the court and the worst team ever to exist when he's off the court. Some I forget the exact statistic that shows, I think it's just offensive rating, defensive ratings. But I mean, the thing is, I, I mean, that's the Bennett, the plus and minus of doing these awards and voting right before the playoffs, because it's always for the regular season. I guess it's that that's what they have the finals MVP for is somebody who the best performer from the postseason. but it's just a shame for Embiid who dominated couple of games against Toronto before his injury took his team through that. And now he's fighting against Miami. I mean, at the end of the day, and I think MB would agree with me, a finals trophy is a lot better than a regular season MVP. So, I mean, he gets it for what he did in Denver, but I mean, the Homer, it's got, I feel like MB has just done so much to take his team to another level because sure. Jokic in the sense was most valuable, but MB's team at the end of the day is better. It's the old argument, right? Is it is it, it who would be the most valuable to a team? I mean, look what the Sixers were without Embiid in the playoffs. I, I mean, so analytically, yeah, you could say Jokic, all these different things, but when Embiid's not on the floor, the team's not even close to the same team remotely. And also, didn't Jokic get pulled the other night from a defense? Yeah, he wasn't even on the he wasn't even on the court during some of the most important moments against Golden State too, which is something other other people have brought up. Like Embiid would be on the floor, like. At the one thing last night when he was when Embiid switched on to I think it was Victor Oladipo and he's shutting him down to the three point line. People were saying Jokic can't do that. 
Like he can't guard on the perimeter like that. He doesn't have and that. I don't there. think you can be I don't think we could sit here and say that the whole time because then you could be like, well, just say, you know, say you're in team MVP, the Sixers, like Maxi, well, well, Maxi can do things that Harden can't do, and Harden can do things Joey Joel and B can't do. So I hear you on that. I'm all on the same page. Like, yeah, like LeBron's one only play people on earth, like Magic Johnson, who can guard all five positions, right? Especially mm-hmm. in his prime. There's some other players that could do it too, right? But I hear you. I'm on the same page with it. I was shocked when it came out today and I refreshed Twitter. I couldn't believe it. And there's a lot of Philly people in our building in Carolina that were not happy campers too, including the great Ed Foley, who's been on this podcast as well. A huge Sixers fan. He was not happy. So, uh, I mean, the Sixers will be fine. I think they they win probably two out of three here and they're going to win the series. Um, what would it be in, in what, it seven? Would, yeah, it would it be. In, it would have to be best of seven because right now we're game five Miami series tied up. So that's what we're looking at. It could be interesting. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So we'll see this. You know, my thing on the NBA, I'm a hater. I am. I just couldn't. I couldn't watch last night sometimes. I, I just don't like the non-team game. And I love the product. I just think the guys are too good. Like, I'm going to back you down, and I'm going to pull up and just bang a jumper over you. And that's going to that's a whole offensive series. And that happens like 50% of the time, maybe more. Or like Tobias Harris last night, just he made a three and he was like heat checking himself. So he just cleared out everybody and just one-on-one with a guy. Middle of the third quarter, up six. Like uh, shot clock was at like 20 seconds when he pulled the trigger. So uh, listen, I'm not saying as any sort of player, that's the nature of the game. The game's just a different game, right? It's like diff- for me, like when you're watching the game between college and pro football, it's a different game. Now, from a fan's perspective, it may not be, but the hash marks make the game way different. You see a whole different offensive structure. You see a whole different offensive game plan, defensive game plan. It's much harder to defend in college than it is in the NFL. That's why you see the scores in college what they are. Because you have to really you have to guard more field. You have to be a better open field tackler. Uh, the NFL game is a much different game. So I get it. They're just a different product. I just get spoiled with March Madness every year, and then I turn on the NBA, and I'm like, I can't do it. It just happens to me every year, Jack. So I'm always like into the Sixers during the regular season when I'm not watching as much college basketball, and then I transfer over become more of an NBA fan, but hopefully the Sixers make a run. It'd be great for the city. Like I said, you know, overall there's a lot of big teams in the NBA playoffs right now. So it's been fun to watch in and out, but uh, straight answer over to the NHL playoffs here. Something that, you know, it's been huge for me to watch because I, I love it. I think it's the best product of any of the playoff things. I, you know, uh, excuse me, series in general, best of seven, the guys beat the hell out of each other. It's the purest version of hockey. It's hard to find that in the regular season. It's an 82-game schedule. It's a really long schedule. It's like the NBA regular season, right? It's a little bit different tempo in the playoffs. So I've been loving that. Have you been watching any of the NHL playoffs, Jack? Are you all NBA right now? I did have a comment on the NHL playoffs. I don't know if it's like I'm definitely not as much in the hockey as I used to be, and I also think that's just because of the current state of the Flyers. But – this I feel like this this NHL postseason has been a lot more kind of you mentioned a lot more high scoring than usual. Like just looking at the games from last night, every winning team had somewhere between like five and seven goals. And then you look at the other, you mentioned Nashville. Nashville lost to Colorado, it was like seven to three. Like it's just I don't feel like games have always been that high scoring in hockey. Usually it's like a three to one, four to one. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's just definitely something interesting I've noticed across the board the last couple of games. Yeah, the the product is getting better. It's harder to be a goalie more and more, even though they're better athletes, better players. It's harder to defend. And over the last couple of years, they've really cracked down on like 
slashing and if you put your stick any up anywhere near up near the gloves they're going to call you for it so you're going to get like these power plays and they're all high power power plays at this point like i was trying to explain you know my wife and to the bozeman's like different things we were watching during the game and like all the players for colorado and just the difference like nashville's got a good team but they're missing their goalie one of their best players in the league who's up for a Vesna trophy and then colorado rolls out their power play i mean they could roll out two power plays that could be one is the best in the league if not top three and the other one it would be like a top 10 right so it's just a loaded lineup and these teams go in the power play and they're just absolutely lethal uh, you can't stop them you're seeing now like a team like tampa that's just sick um t- toronto's got high-end premier talent obviously mcdavid and dreisaitl and edmonton they're just two of the best players in the league dreisaitl's behind mcdavid but he's almost just as good as him and no one talks about him because mcdavid's there so, yeah, I mean, the NHL topic's not as popular as maybe the NBA, but the product is so good right now. The fighting, the toughness, the grit, the uh, the Boston-Carolina series has been great. I'm watching a lot of the East because it's in our time zone. So, But it was cool to see a Western Conference game this weekend. Again, anytime you get to a hockey game in person, it was pretty cool. But just a different environment. It was definitely something I had to, I had to get used to compared to something in Philly where everyone's commenting on every call. Everybody's a coach in the stands. It was very chill, Nashville, uh, more of an event than a game, but a great place to watch a game. Everyone's so nice down there. It was fun, but I digress. So F1 seems to become the story, right? Verstappen won it, uh, Team Red Bull. I'm starting to you know, figure out my way through F1 now. Shout out to NASA George who's been pushing it on me, but <laughs> it's the thing, right? It goes into Miami. They announced that couple months ago that it was going to be in Miami, but it, it was a who's who. It felt like it was the Derby in a way. Patrick Mahomes, Serena Williams, David Beckham, right? You have absolutely big names like a Tom Brady's hanging out with this person. Michael Jordan's hanging out with this person. Uh, it's become a who's who, and that's what the Derby was. This weekend is was the Derby as well, and uh, Rich Strike won it 80 to 1, 80 to 1. So there was a lot of, you know, people surprised by that, but there was just so much, it was a lot going on this weekend, NFL news-wise, even though there wasn't, because guys, Tom Brady's in the headline for F1. All the guys are, it's a huge NFL event, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, people traveling to that and having a good time because it's the off season. You know, we, we work Monday through Thursday. So it's a unique time for players to get out, to have some fun, to do the Derby. But now F1's a thing. We had you know, some players across the league, you know, posting that they were down at F1. So it was a cool event. Did you watch the Derby or did you watch F1? I watched the Derby. I kept my eye on the Derby because as funny as it is, it was, I, I mean, the comeback of that race was absolutely ridiculous. But the one thing, my my best friend, one of his friends from school was down at the Derby for whatever reason. Now, I don't know why, but they were betting on the horses. And I was, I he told me one off like on like Thursday or whatever. And I was like, all right. And then I get a text yes, last night or two nights ago. And he goes, my friend just won $30,000 betting on that horse. I, I don't know how much, he, what exactly it was. It was like, I don't know exactly how the horse betting goes, but this kid made out big. I mean, that is insane. Kudos to that kid. Shout out to Wooden Big on that. But, I mean, the Derby's always just I, – I mean, F1, I've seen more of it, and I think there was a, like a Netflix documentary or something came out, like kind of like detail, like the background of like the racing companies and all that sort of stuff, like the rivalries, the drama behind it. That's something that's definitely on my – to watch list because I do want to get like I was really big into NASCAR as a kid and I think F1 is probably a natural progression from that so I mean I definitely want to check it out more it does seem really interesting and fascinating like the upgraded car designs and like how it's gotten super much more faster than it was even a few years ago so I mean I'm definitely interested in it 
talk about the money being pumped into a sport. Wealth Advisory Services, if you don't know me, you should, folks. The best part about Wealth Advisory Services is they are nationwide. Yes, they're located just in Town and they're Cape May, New Jersey, too. We talk about going on the shore and being available in Bucks County right out of Philadelphia, but they're nationwide. I have friends this week that were talking to Paul um, from Chicago. I had a friend this week talking to Paul from Texas. So they have an awesome team there, and they have literally people in almost every state uh, that they work with and, and you know, manage their wealth. All different shapes and sizes of wealth looks like, but we're so fortunate to be working with the team, WealthAdvisoryServices.com. Again, you should know them. You really should. The market's been crazy. The housing market's crazy. You need a plan. You need a game plan, just like us on game day. Look no further than our friends over at Wealth Advisory Services. Check them out. Paul, Dave, and their team of a hundred years of experience in their office. So no, F1 was absolutely crazy. And like I said, the finances behind it, you're going to need wealth advisory services <laughs> because it's real. I mean, look at Netflix, the stock I bought them, right? I'm, I bought the, I bought the stock too late, just like everybody else, but I bought the stock because why not? The place is right. It's, it's become the show has taken off. Like how many things, think about the power of Netflix, Netflix, we're going to make a show about a league and now the league's going to become one of the top leagues in the world. Like it was internationally known before, right? Like mm-hmm. people know F1 around the world, just like soccer, right? But not everyone may be watching soccer in the States, but out of nowhere, now they're opening up shop in Vegas, Miami. What's next, right? They're already mm-hmm. they know they spend time in LA. I'm pretty sure there's a race in LA already. So that's a huge jump. That's a huge market that everybody wants. Everybody that's international wants the American market. That's why, Premier League teams come over here in the summer and play like whatever games just to spend a week in Miami and, you know, play in Miami stadium. But the American soil, the American dollar, the American follower is what it seems like. And I'll have facts in front of me, right? It's it's a no brainer is, you know, they're going to expand. You see the NFL expanding into other countries where it may be a good partnership for them, but you know, just like the NFL is trying to grab, you know, people from Europe, well, the Europe's trying to grab people from the U.S. watching, and that's what Premier League's done. I watch Premier League every week. Tottenham Tigers were getting against Liverpool. At least they got some points, but who are you wearing? Leicester City. Leicester City, get out of here. So, <laughs> so, yeah, long story short, I love the commitment out of you. It's great, but I'm, I'm rambling on. My point is, though, F1 is taken off because of a Netflix TV show. That is nuts. That is nuts. Let me say that I mean, again. The one point that you made that I was kind of, it's like, it's you kind of mentioned soccer in the European more. I feel like this F1 is slowly becoming the most worldwide popular sport. Like, probably basketball is creeping up there too. But I mean, there are some places like the United States really isn't big on cricket or soccer, which is like pretty much popular around the world. And then you go places like Europe, basketball, football. This is probably the most connected worldwide sport because, like, even like places down like south are really big in the racing and not really in the soccer. You mentioned like, like, that that's a market like it's very and you mentioned it, it's very rare that so many markets especially even within america are interested in a european sport that is extremely popular i mean it's just huge no question i think it bring up a great point it's a huge product it's big in the states now it's growing it's 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 on the move i guess what i'm trying to say is the league is mobile Unlike the Premier League, where every game's in your in England, mm-hmm. we still watch, but you can't really watch, you know, Arsenal play Tottenham on a you know Sunday morning. But they'd be playing it Sunday night here. You can't go watch it, 
but they can pick up shop and go anywhere, which makes them so, so mobile, makes these guys international superstars even more now than ever because you can just tangibly actually touch them, see them, be around them if you're from the States and huge cities. And I'll say this, just like everything else, right? Certain celebrities, certain people drive a lot of things. They drive a lot of eyes. They drive a lot of money. They drive a lot, drive a lot of advertising. That was a who's who event. That was the event of the weekend, the event of the weekend. So, I mean, it's a different vibe. Yes, you know, Derby went on and Drake was there and there were people there. And I know a bunch of NFL guys were there and that's all cool and all. But that F1 event was a who was a who's who. I, you know, talking to people that I know went down there, they're talking like crazy amount of money to rent a house, like crazy, like literally a year of mortgage payment just for a weekend. Um, just just ridiculous amounts of money to rent a home uh, for that type of event. So. Hey, the numbers were probably great. They probably haven't, they haven't come out yet. Maybe they have. Um, the viewership, like I said, the attendance is through the roof. They kind of created something, that, you know, in Miami. They're right near the Hard Rock. All the things that go with that. So, kudos F one, kudos F one, and again, a huge weekend in sports. Uh, but you know, can't forget about our friends over at Fuel Hunt Shots and Giggles Pro Star Sports Agency. We're very lucky to work with awesome sponsors. Fuel Hunt, a product that I rep, working out all the time. An unbelievable partnership with great guys that are Philadelphia guys, local, hardworking, tough people, putting the respect back in hard work. Um, they're expanding their company too, opening a new warehouse. So shout out to those guys, just tremendous guys to work with. Shout out our friends at Shots and Giggles in Key West, Florida. They had a killer derby party this weekend with all the locals down there having a good time. You heard Paul come on here, Paul Menta, talk about how just much fun the locals and the party and, and the camaraderie get a drink to go from there right near Duval street, right between Duval street and Conquer Republic, right there on the water. So it's kind of a lot of people cross paths. So sitting on that front deck there with old TK and Lance, you're going to have a good time people watching. So shout out to our friends down there at shots and Eagles key West. And last, but certainly not least, the reason why I'm talking to you guys today is pro star sports agency. They're another company you got to know if, 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 you, if you don't know them, you should, they are, the best in cutting edge when it comes to NIL to player representation. They represent coaches, players, media members like Lewis Riddick uh, and so many other people. I've been so fortunate to work with them at Pro Star Sports Agency, an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable group of agents, Paul, Warren, and John that I've been working with now my entire six-year pro career. So, Jack, has been another great episode, man. Anything in closing before we wrap up? What, what do we have to look forward to this week? We've got a couple – Big NBA games, more NHL playoffs. Yeah, I was trying to think the playoffs just continuing across the board. The Golden State Memphis series has been pretty interesting. It's been getting a little chippy over there. Suns, Mavericks, Luka's close to knocking off the top team in the NBA. Sixers Heat. I mean, that's pretty much NFL schedule drops later this week. It's another interesting thing. That's probably about. Yeah, that's another one burying the lead. So the NFL schedule comes out later this week. It will be out a day before on Twitter, so everyone's going to know what's going on. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the chips fall. The NFL is very strategic in how they do things. It is not mm -hmm. a mistake. It is not a slap-together schedule. Um, it is all about ratings, viewership. There's going to be some Christmas Day games this year. Uh, it falls on a Sunday. I think there's like three or four games, which I'm shocked. I'm surprised we're not all playing. Yeah, but There's like three or four games, so there's going to be games on that Saturday before. Mm -hmm. There'll be games on the Monday before. Um, 
I wouldn't even be shocked if they stole like a Friday or did something unique this year that's not out yet. Like, you know, like a Friday game. I mean, you talk about, I mean, the one side note and talking about interesting schedule. I want your input on this because I was, nobody really even talked about it. So I was watching the Stars game, the USFL this past weekend. East, now they play in Birmingham, Eastern time zone. Kickoff was 10 p.m. local time. How would you feel about that as a player playing on, I think it was Friday night, 10 p.m. or Saturday night, 10 p.m.? Uh, Listen, I'll play anytime, anywhere, right? That old adage. I would have to have a serious nap in the afternoon. <laughs> and if you practice at night, you can do it. Mm-hmm. But I doubt they're practicing at night there. I doubt it. They probably go in the morning, have breakfast, watch a little film, practice, watch a little film, and go home. They're probably home by three or four. Was, I mean, it was a great game. I mean, it was really explosive offense. o'clock at night, Jack, I need a pillow and a blanket. There's no way. <laughs> at halftime, I'm going to take, take a power nap. It's a le- that's 11.30 halftime. It's a little faster. That leaves a little faster than the NFL. But oh, it's crazy. I mean, do you see some of the travel distances that some of these teams have to go? Like Seattle has to go to Germany. That's, I saw it's like 36,000 miles in total or 26,000, something like that. And then meanwhile, Pittsburgh doesn't leave their time zone once a season. They stay in the Eastern time zone the whole year. Yeah, so they played their division, which is right there. Everybody's mm-hmm. right there. Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore. Really good boss everywhere. Really yeah. good. They play us. They play Atlanta, New Orleans. Tampa. Or no, New Orleans probably comes to them because that would be central time zone. Tampa. Yeah, so, yeah, they're good for them. Hey, listen, that's how it goes, right? But they'll be playing in some primetime games. Like, they're still going to be getting home late. That's the one thing that people don't understand is you play these primetime games now. Like, I was talking to Bozeman, our center, who played in Baltimore. You know, Brad – they had a lot of primetime games. So, you you know, you're still here on the road. You're at home. Great. You're done at midnight, 1 o'clock. You're home by one thirty-two. But you got to calm yourself down and go to bed. It's like a 4 o'clock by the time you're going to bed. If, if you can calm yourself down. Some guys can't and they don't get any sleep after games. So, that screws you up for the whole week, your whole recovery process, everything. But if you're away, you're not getting back till 5 in the morning, 4 or 5 in the morning. You got to load the bus, load the plane, get all the equipment from the bus to the plane, make sure everyone's fed. Go through security. Get you know some guys take forever to go undress and get showered. I'm like the quickest guy out of there. Just relax on the bus and decompress. But we're being long winded, which I love, and we're all over the place, which I absolutely love talking <laughs> about things I would not know or w- wouldn't know we we would touch on today. But again, shout out to our sponsors, Fuel Hunt, Shots and Giggles, ProStar Sports Agency, and our official sponsor of Not for Long Media, Wealth Advisory Services. Over a hundred years of experience in their office, servicing people all around the country with their wealth. So that's Jack Connell. Appreciate you joining us, Jack, as always. Glad to do it. Enjoy I'm it. Colin, I'm Colin Thompson. I really hope you guys enjoy the Larry Flowers episode. I think you're going to have some laughs, some good times, an absolute character, a Philly guy living out in L.A. So, uh, Larry, congrats on your success and really, really, uh, really appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the episode, guys. All right, so we got the man Larry Flowers in the building today. How you doing, Larry? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate you coming on. Of course, anything for hometown Philly boy. Oh wow, wow, wow! Before we get into Philly, on, where, man. where are you at now? I'm in Los Angeles, downtown LA, in uh, in my office in the Diamond District, uh, slinging watches, beautiful engagement rings, stuff like that. Yeah. What's the watch business like? I my brother. Uh, his boyfriend, they're big Rolex guys. And I'm not, you know, 
they bought them a couple of years ago. Right. So they're like, Hey, listen, this watch is worth X now. I'm like, well, okay. I didn't know that. Can you, I mean, can you explain that energy to me and the listeners? Cause I don't know anything about it. I mean, it's what I do for a living and I'm not even sure I can completely understand what's going on today. <laughs> um, no, man, listen, a couple of years ago, the watch industry exploded. Um, there's been a, there's been a huge shift in, you know, young folks, crypto money and other things. A lot of people made a lot of money and uh, the watch market, obviously there's minimal uh, manufacturing and production of certain pieces and they became a commodity, um, something that a lot of people trade all over the world. And I was kind of a way for a lot of people to kind of transfer money back and forth and the watch market just exploded. And um, I'm very fortunate that I was in a position uh, where I was able to capitalize on that. Um, and it's been wild, man. I mean, listen, like, it's it's almost uh, it it almost hurts me a little bit to have to tell someone a price of a piece when they look online on the you know on the on the Rolex website and see a retail price for maybe thirteen thousand dollars and I tell them it's fifty thousand dollars and they, a lot of people don't don't understand that um, but yeah the watch market has exploded and uh, you know that's it just is what it is and and thank God I have a I have an incredible inventory and I have an amazing. Uh, network uh, i work with some of the biggest watch dealers including myself you know in the world and uh have access to almost everything high-end uh, luxury time pieces and so um yeah man that's it's it's been wild it's been a wild ride but it's been it's been exciting also i can only imagine man it, it's it's something i'm starting to get into a little bit and learn more about of course trying to educate myself on it okay how did you get in the industry what draw you to what draw you to it yeah so i actually started in the precious metals business uh, over 10 years ago uh, with my childhood best friend from Philly. Uh, we were buying gold, silver, platinum, uh, loose diamonds and stuff like that from the public. Uh, started a company where, you know, we would have in-home little events for, you know, mostly women, uh, mothers. They get together with their best friends, get all their old, you know, jewelry that they haven't worn in 20 years and, uh, you know, pay them 75% of the market value. Uh business took off and we were just, we were buying lots of gold and silver and platinum and melting it all down. And obviously when we would buy designer jewelry, <clears throat> excuse me, we'd buy designer jewelry and, and diamonds and stuff like that. We would kind of accumulate watches. We would accumulate you know stuff that we didn't want to melt. And we kind of just saved it all. And eventually when the gold business in the market kind of was fizzling off a little bit, um, we found ourselves sitting on a lot of inventory. And so, we kind of were in a position where we started to want to sell some of our inventory that we had built up. And uh, lo and behold, we got into the jewelry business and, and starting to sell jewelry and you know, I have a huge network within the NHL world. And you know, to one guy to say, Hey flowers, can you help me with an engagement ring? And then another guy. And then, you know, the buzz kind of starts in the, within a locker room, as you know, and one guy buys something and they tell the teammate and the teammate tells another teammate from another team and, it's kind of just started snowballing and years later I'm, I'm a full-time jeweler. The official jeweler of the NHL now. <laughs> I am not official yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet you are. I bet you are. All right. Wait, I'd be, I'm on my way. That's my goal. We got to start it off. Right. I mean, I, I don't like burying leads here, but obviously the stuff that went down with the St. Louis blues and you had buddies on the team, obviously guys you worked with, um, sold jewelry too, became friends with, got ingrained in the locker room. The St. Louis Blues are on a crazy slide 
a good team, a loaded team, kind of like the Flyers were this year, and then they went to mess, but a loaded team. And all of a sudden, they're in Philly, and tell me what happens when they're the worst team in the NHL, and then they went, end up winning a world, <laughs> excuse me, a Stanley Cup. Yeah, man. Um, it's by far it's by far the craziest story in the sports world that I've ever had the privilege of being a part of. It changed my life, uh, literally. Um, yeah, man, like the St. Louis Blues were, they were that team. They were supposed to be the best in the league or one of the teams favored to win the Stanley Cup. A lot of sports writers in the NHL world had them winning it all. And about halfway through the season, I mean, they were, they weren't, they weren't one of the worst teams in the NHL. They were the worst. They were dead last overall. Fights in practice, um, like literally fights oh, in practice. My boy Bortuzzo grabbing uh, one of the guys and, you know, there was a lot, you know, the guys were stressed, man. They, they had a lot of high hopes. And one of my best buddies on the team, Alex Steen, who was the assistant captain at the time, who had a lot of input on, you know, bringing in specific guys and uh, working with Doug Armstrong, the GM of the team, to try to build a Stanley Cup winning team. You know, this is, he's towards the end of his career. And this was, this was a big year. This was it for, for a lot of these guys. And they were, they just had a massively disappointing season. And so anyway, they're coming into Philly. I happened to have been in Philly at the time. And I said, boys, like, you know, the, the Eagles are playing the Chicago bears in a, in a playoff game. Um, I think, I think a bunch of you guys might want to just come out with me. Let me take you to this local uh, members only guys, only little private club in South Philly. Let's have a little, you know, we'll have a little party. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll watch the Eagles game. It'll be fully catered. We'll have a DJ. It'll be a lot of fun. The guys in the neighborhood will love it. Um, they agreed. Six of my uh, best friends on the team all agreed. They're like, okay, let's do it. And uh, basically they're on the way to the, to, to the bar, to, to the club. And you know, I'm getting text messages from Bortuzzo like, Hey, are we in the right area? Like guys are kind of nervous. You know, these are all Canadian guys and European guys. And, they're driving through the streets of South Philly. You know, they're kind of a little nervous. I said, no, don't worry. You guys are good. Um, it's going to – you'll be fine. You're in good hands. South Philly is the best, uh, the most underrated part of Philly, in my opinion. A hundred percent. I have very close ties to South Philly. Some of my best friends in the entire world live in South Philly. Um, Shout out to the I Hobbit Hole. The Shout there. out to Albert, all the guys that live down there, man. He, my buddy yeah, – my good buddy lives right behind uh, Chickies and Pete's there. He lives actually now towards – uh, downtown a little bit yeah. more center city, but uh, yeah, he was in the like Packer Park area. Yeah. 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 yeah of course. Um, yeah. So they, they showed up and it was like a hero's welcome. You know, all these are, these are all blue collar, good guys. And to have a bunch of guys in the NHL coming into their, you know, establishment to have a good time with them to watch the Eagles game was a big deal to them, you know, and they, and they, they treated them. I mean, the place went erupted when they walked in Anyway, we had a really good time, and, and the boys really enjoyed it. And we had a DJ playing, you know, South Philly. You know, they play a lot of, like, 60s music. Um, classic know, rock. Uh, yeah. Classic rock, yeah. And so, you know, so Alex Steen and I are sitting at the bar at one point of the night and having a heart-to-heart. And, you know, he kind of has his head down. Like, man, you know, I thought this was Zip Flowers. Like, I thought this was going to be our year. And it's not looking like that's the case. And he was really down and, you know, I'm trying to pick up the spirits a little, you know, it's going to be all right. The season's not over. Just, you got to keep plugging. And the that song Gloria was playing by Laura Brannigan. DJ kept, he played the song and, you know, we look over and we see Robbie Fabry, who's an absolute beauty. He's a good kid. 
and he likes to have a good time. And uh, and we look over to him, and he's listening to this song that he's never heard before. You know, Gloria, Gloria. It's a, it's a great song. And he had never heard it. And we just look over and we watch him and he's dancing and he's yelling. And when it ends, he starts screaming, play Gloria, play Gloria. I love this song. I've never heard this song. Play Gloria. And we, we giggled it and they played the song again for him. And Steiner looks at me and he says, you know, like it was nothing. He looks at me and he says, you know, man, I'll take anything at this point to get this team going. If I'll tell you what, if we win tomorrow against the Flyers, I'll play the song in the locker room, a little victory song for fun. And we both giggled and didn't think twice of it. Um, anyway, the night ends. We had a great time. Um, next game, Jordan Bennington plays his first NHL game for the St. Louis Blues um, and gets a stud. And his first NHL start ever against the Flyers. And they shut out the Flyers 3 nothing. And after the game... Steiner plays the song in the locker room, a little victory song. And we have a huge group chat, most of the team and myself. And they're all like sending like funny pictures and videos of the song to me. And like, hey, Flowers, we did it. Hey, here's the song. Ha ha. Next game, the Blues play and they win a game. And they win again. They play the song again in the locker room. And we're on the group chat and we're having a good time. Next game, same thing. Next game, same thing. Um, I ship them a couple t-shirts from the bar. They start wearing the t-shirt. They start taking pictures with the t-shirt. They have a little bit of momentum going on. They're sending me pictures. I'm sending it to all my friends. I'm sending it to Paul Bizonet, Ryan Whitney from Spit and Chicklets. Like they're asking me what's going on with the blues. You know, we know what went on. You know, we saw some stuff on Instagram. Um, before you know it, they go on a full on tear, tear. And in order to climb out of the cellar in the NHL, it's very difficult because you get a point for a tie, right? So even teams that are struggling that are ahead of you can kind of still maintain. Um, but that said, you know, they went on a tear. They had they, they went into the break where me and a couple of the guys from the Blues went to Cabo, came back from Cabo. Then they went on a 10-game win streak. And now the story is starting to really get momentum. And oh, if you're on a skid, Ryan Whitney and Paul. If you're on a skid, you just got to go party with flowers. I mean, it won't, it won't kill you, I guess. It won't hurt you. What, what, <laughs> what were Witt and Biz saying? Yeah, so <clears throat> so, so they reach out. Biz would reach out, and he's like, Flowers, what, what's going on here? Because there's some rumblings, and this team's kind of like picked up some momentum, and we know about what's going on with you. Because, you know, those are my good buddies, too. And they said, why don't you come on the pod and tell a story? Like, what went on? And so I did. And, you know, they're a huge podcast. They, they get a lot of downloads. the biggest hockey podcast in the world. They're now in my bar school. And, uh, they're one of the biggest um, podcasts in the world, not just hot. I mean, they, they do one. So does Missing Curfew, but they all do a great yes. job, both of them. They, yes. Uh, and I went on, and the story really, really exploded. Um, it got some national attention. Uh, a lot of media outlets started reaching out to myself and other folks and um, it started picking up, like I said, momentum and the St. Louis blues were literally climbing out of the cellar and, uh, they, they somehow sneak into the playoffs, which again was it, to be dead last in the NHL at that point of season is almost impossible, uh, but they, they snuck into the playoffs and, uh, they win round one, they win round two, 
Uh, they get into round three. They go into game seven against Dallas. Unbelievable series, hard-fought series. Um, they win in game seven against the Dallas Stars, <clears throat> and they make it all the way to the finals, the Stanley Cup finals against the Boston Bruins. And at this point now, the story is national. It's the biggest – it's it's the story, at least regarding the St. Louis Blues when it comes to the coverage for the NHL and national media and stuff. And there's cameras everywhere outside of the bar. Every single game through the playoffs, that bar in South Philly is completely jam-packed. Again, national media reporters outside. It, it was a really, really incredible uh, scene out there. And, uh, you know, I'm going back and forth for every game of, of, of the finals going from Boston to St. Louis and um, getting to experience that with, you know, with, with all the family members and friends and the team and, um, and they, same, they get to game seven, man, game seven at the garden in Boston against the mighty Boston Bruins. And Everyone is uh, – we're all really nervous. I mean, this story is already legendary. But if they lose game seven, it's just a really great story. But if they win game seven, it's a legendary story. Um, and they came out and just blew the doors off of the Boston Bruins in Boston. And uh, it was it was incredible. I mean – all the family and everybody goes, gets on the ice. They bring me right on the ice, on the garden, in the garden. Um, all the guys are passing around the mug, the Stanley Cup. And, uh, you know, at one point it was myself, Braden Chen, Jaden Schwartz, Robert Bortuzzo, Alex Steen. <clears throat> and at the time it was Schenner, Al, uh, uh, Braden Chen and, and uh, Jaden Schwartz, who were best friends from Saskatchewan. And uh, Shenner turns around to me, and he played for the Flyers, by the way. I'm sure a lot of your Philly listeners know who Braden Shen is. He's an absolute ace. He turns to me and says, Flowers, this thing's coming to you next. Don't drop it. And the rule in the NHL is unless you played in the games, you cannot hoist that mug. It, it's, for a player. For a player. Right. It, it, well, you have to be a player. No. You have to I hear you. That's a rule, but you know what? Screw it, man. You're, You're right. part of the team. I, I, yes. So, so there, there was a lot of back and forth. We'll get into that, but um, he turns around and says, "Flowers, this thing's coming to you. Don't drop it." I go, oh, "I go, no, 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 no. It's coming." So he turns to me and he hands me the Stanley Cup, the greatest trophy in all of sports. And sure, shit. I hoist that mug and I have a picture with him on one side and, and Jade Schwartz on the other. And I have a picture of myself holding it. Um, fans are in the background. Uh, it's an absolute, it's a legendary picture to be, a, to be able to have that picture with me for the rest of my life. Um, celebrations are through the roof. Uh, myself and all the family and the team, I'll all fly back to St. Louis for obviously the partying and the celebrations and the parade. And so anyway, Bortuzzo, Robert Bortuzzo is another one of my best friends on the team. Says flowers. You're coming on my, uh, on my uh, part of the, of the, of the parade. You're coming on my float. My float. Yeah. 
So it was him and I and his family. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm in the parade. And listen, I've been to the Phillies World Series parade. I went to the Eagles parade. Um, this was elite. This parade in St. Louis, their first Stanley Cup. They're a diehard hockey town. Um, they're as old as the Flyers. They came into the Flyers, uh, into the NHL the same year as the Flyers did. Um, and this thing was, I think, I think they totaled almost one and a half million people at the parade. Uh, and it was magical. It was a magical experience to be able to be with the team and the fans. And, you know, there were a lot of everyone, you know, a lot of the fans knew who I was, you know, they knew the story. And so they were really kind and, and it, it was, it was incredible. The, the parade ends under the arch in St. Louis and there's a huge stage set up just for the team, just for the team. And in front of the stages, hundreds of thousands of people and we finally get to the end and we walk around the stage everybody meets you know once all the floats meet up we all meet behind the stage and the whole team is walking around to the entrance of the stage and you know we're all got some nice buzz we all have a nice buzz going we've been drinking beers for hours during the parade and we're starting to walk up the steps and i stop and go oh i look to the crowd what this is this enough is enough I've had the run of all runs as, as, as a fan. Um, but it's time to let the guys have their moment. And I turned to Steve and I said, you know, go ahead, go enjoy yourself. Go enjoy yourself with your teammates. And he turns to me and he grabs me by the shirt and he grabs me up close and he says, flowers, you're fucking with us. You're a part of this. And we want you, we, we want you with us. And he pulls me on the stage and I'm talking the team and only the team, not the equipment managers, not the, just the team and me. And so I'm on this team stage with all my boys and they're doing the whole celebration and they're calling up individuals one at a time to, you know, say whatever they want to say to the crowd and the crowd's going nuts. It was an incredible event. Uh, and at, at one point, this is a great story. At one point, uh, well, th this goes into, onto the plane. I'll actually back up to that because it is a great story, but uh, we're on the team stage and it was, it, it was, again, it was magical and gets to the point where all the players got their moment to hold the cup in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And same thing, Jake Allen, who was the backup goalie for, for the blues, who's a good buddy of mine as well, looks at me and goes, Hey flowers, you know, you're getting this right. I go, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, everything at this point is just surreal. And he turns to me and he says, oh, it's like, it's coming. You're, you're a part of this. We want you to have this. Be ready. I have your phone. Yeah, give me your phone. And he, he has his moment with the cup and says a couple of words to the crowd. And he turns around and he hands me the Stanley Cup. And I hoist the mug in front of the entire city of St. Louis. And he gets a picture from behind, from behind me, which I think is the greatest picture I'll ever, ever have in my life as far as just of me. It's an incredible picture. I'll send it to you um, later on today. And uh, it's, uh, it, it, it kind of culminated the entire story and the event. Um, it, was, it, was, it was surreal. But this story gets better. Um, uh, I, I feel like I'm rambling on, but the story I love takes it. some time. I love That's it. Take your, take your right, time, good. brother. Take your time. <laughs> All right, good. So – we, we finish on the stage 
and the entire team gets on the team bus, including myself. And we go back to Enterprise Center, uh, the Blues Arena. And as a unit, we all go back into the locker rooms where our bags were, and we all jump in the cold plunge one at a time. Cold plunge, cold plunge, cold plunge. From cold plunge to the showers, we're all showering together. We're laughing. I mean, these guys just won the Stanley Cup. I mean, what the fuck, right? Yeah. The Stanley Cup. And I'm a part of it. Uh, and we're showering together. We're laughing. We're telling stories. And we're talking stories about the crowd and guys throwing it and whatever. And, and we all kind of get ourselves together. And next to me in my stall um, was a kid named uh, uh, Blaze. Okay. Um, at Sammy Blaze. And, you know, we're laughing. We're getting dressed. And this is going to be great. We're getting on the team private plane to go to Vegas to really blow it out. So we're all getting dressed and we finally all get to the private jet, this huge jet. Like we get on, we've got the Stanley Cup in there with us. We have this one company, this restaurant from St. Louis, that Italian restaurant, amazing restaurant. Who picked up the tab on the jet? I think that, I think the owner did. I think the owner did. Yeah. Um, And we get on and there's just more Italian food than you could ever imagine. And, uh, and Patty Maroon's on, he's on the front of the plane with the Stanley cup on him with the top full of spaghetti meatballs. And he's eating out of this cup from the top. And we're on, we, I'm in the back with me, Steiner, Ryan O'Reilly, who's now the captain of the team. Uh, Bortuzzo. Well, yeah, it was, we're on the back of the bus. We we're just having a good time. And, and all of a sudden, uh, Sammy Blaze, who was sitting next to me is sitting two rows in front of me. says, I, can't find my wallet. You know, I can't find, I need my ID. You know, you have to show your ID. It's still, still an aircraft. And you have to show you. The captain was collecting IDs to make sure everything made sense. And he can't find his ID. And everyone's like, man, what's going on? Like, what do you mean you can't find it? Someone stole my wallet. So I think somebody stole my wallet in the locker room. That's how he talks. And we're like, what, what the hell's going on here? And, I, and for some reason, I was thinking to myself, you know, what if I stole his wallet? And got caught, and this whole moment was ruined, which would never happen. And I don't—I was so overwhelmed with emotions. It just—it was a thought that crossed my mind, just even by accident. Like, what if I stole his wallet? And people were like, "What the fuck?" Um, but I would never do that. So I'm sitting there, and we're all just kind of looking around, and it's becoming an issue because we can't—we can't take off. So finally, I said to myself, "You know, let me put." I don't know why it was in my mind. You know, I, I'm thinking something is, this is so surreal that something's got to go wrong for me. So I said, you know what? Let me check. Let me check my wallet just to ease my mind. So I reach in the back of my, my back pocket and I pull out my wallet and I'm like, it's my wallet. This is actually my wallet. Okay. And I said, it's my wallet. Thank God. And I open it. This is not my wallet. Holy sh! This is Sammy's wallet. And Steiner looks at me and he's like, "You know, this is my best. These are some of my best friends." So they know I wouldn't, but they're like, "What the hell is going on here? Why do you have his wallet?" And then O'Reilly, and then Shenner, and then they're like, "Why do you have his wallet?" And I go, "Hold on." And I feel in my side pocket. And I, I have another wallet in my side pocket. We have the same exact wallet. And I have 
he was sitting next to me in the stall and his wallet was on the bench and I thought it was mine. And so I scoop it and put it in my pocket and the, the plane erupts, erupts in laughter. They never would think that I would steal a wallet, but it was yeah. just a joke of it. Right. And the plane erupts. Now we're about to take off, but the pilot comes back and goes, guys, we have a little bit of an issue. There's literally one too many people on this flight. We're looking at the itinerary and now all the details. There's one too many people on this flight. We have three guys in the front that are handlers of the Stanley Cup. They always have three guys that are in charge of the cup. Get and off. I would be like, dude, you're out. One of well, I was – they didn't account for me when they were doing the, the, the checklist, right, the, the itinerary. You know, I mean, they just didn't account for me. It, it slipped their mind. And so they're all, we're all looking around and we're like, fuck, it's because like I'm the one guy that wasn't on the list and there's not enough seats. Steiner, who's the man, looks at me, looks around and he goes, I got this. Walks to the front of the plane, leans over, starts talking to the guys, the guys that are handling the Stanley Cup and the pilot and kind of looks back and gives us one of those like thumbs up. Um, and we're like, what's he doing? What's going on? And, Again, he looks confident and gives us a thumbs up. All of a sudden, the third guy who's in charge of handling the Stanley Cup kind of gets up, kind of like gets up and walks right off the plane. They sent him commercial. They said, Flowers is not getting off this flight. So, yeah, so pay they, for the ticket. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And so we fly out to Vegas. Um, we fly out to Vegas. And the flight was was incredible. And on that flight, Alex Steen tells a great story getting back to on the stage. Alex Steen, we're all telling stories. And Alex Steen tells, stands up. He goes, I got a story, boys. He goes, we're on the team stage and everyone's drunk and we're having a great time. And Doug Armstrong, the GM of the St. Louis Blues, uh, walks up to Steener from behind and kind of puts his arm around him and he's drunk as a skunk. And he gets really close in his ear and this is Steener telling the story. And he says, hey, who the fuck is that guy? And he points to me. And I didn't know this until obviously he's telling the story on the flight. But who the fuck is that guy? And Alex Dean says, oh, that's just Larry. Don't worry about Larry. And Doug Armstrong kind of walks away. And about five minutes later, he comes back stumbling drunk as can be. And he puts his arm around Alex Dean. And he says, hey, I don't remember signing that fucking moron. Because Doug Armstrong really. He doesn't really, you know, he's just, he's like, who the hell is that? He doesn't recognize my face and whatever, you know, he's too busy, you know, being a GM. <clears throat> and the plane is erupting and it's, it, we get, we finally get to Vegas. We have the time of our lives. We were two days in Vegas, um, just, just blowing it out. And, and, uh, and that from there, me, Robert Bortuzzo, Joel Edmondson, Fabs, Robbie Fabry, and Jaden Schwartz, we all fly back to LA. We rent a sick house right in Beverly Hills. We have a week vacation in Beverly Hills and just really just enjoy ourselves and the good weather and the pool and going out to nice dinners. And um, to this day, look, I don't like the, I'm not, I kind of got a like to toot my own horn, but a lot of people consider it the greatest folk fan folk story and, you know, legendary folk story in the history of the NHL. I mean, my experience was something I'll never forget. I'm, forever grateful that I was a part of it and uh, and look <clears throat> to be completely uh, to to shift gears a little bit uh, my friend that I 
I'd mentioned earlier that I started in the gold business with uh, Randy Stern, my childhood best friend who passed away a couple of years before uh, to mental illness, which was a very, very trying part of my life. Uh, I had to reset my entire life, my business. He was my business partner. I, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations after he passed away. I was one of the hardest experiences of my life, if not the hardest. Uh, it was actually the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, which was another story, which is crazy, as crazy as it gets. That was literally the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, um, about six months later, which was very emotional for me. But um, <clears throat> um, yeah, I had to basically reset my entire life and my business and start all over. And two years after that happened to Randy, where he, we lost him, this story happens and it completely catapulted my name and my business and my life to another level. Thanks to the help with some podcasts, including like spit chicklets and my friends and the hockey world and just getting my story out there. Um, and it, it really, it changed my life, not only for, you know, personal reasons and to tell a great story and to be a part of a legendary Stanley cup champion team story, um, but personally in my business life and my personal life, truly in my personal life, uh, it, it, I'm forever grateful in, in a million ways. And uh, you know, I, I, I take a lot of pride in what I do now in my business because of some of those factors. Um, yeah, it's, 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 what can I say? It's, it's a wild, wild, wild story. It is a wild ride. We appreciate you sharing it. It's, it's, you know, on a side note, it's even emotional for me to, for you to talk about the Stanley cup and the pictures and the moment, and you're at Jack's and you're having drinks and all of a sudden fast forward, whatever, six months later, probably whatever it was. And all of a sudden you're in Vegas with the cup, then you're in LA, you know, partying for a week. And then you're, you know, you win in Boston of all places to win, you know, the, the, you know, the Stanley cup and all the things that come with that. And I mean, I don't even know the next question to ask you because, there's so much to unpack there. It's not even worth unpacking. I guess my question for you is what was that like after? Like, what was the, because hockey's quick, like, it's a long season. They're right back on the ice. I mean, especially if you win the world, if you win, I keep saying World Series. I have no idea. Hockey's my favorite sport. Keep winning the Stanley Cup. They'll go right back to ice. They go right back to work. Some guys are taking a little bit of time off. <laughs> it's, it's chaos, man. They're warriors, man. I mean, you know, you're an athlete. Um, in order, in order to perform at the highest level, you you've got to really be on your game and stay in shape and um, constantly work on your craft. Uh, the hockey community, the NHL world, um, is an incredible community. It's an incredible world. Um, I've had the I have the privilege of having best friends in my life that are all now retired. Uh, NHL players, two of which played for the Flyers, our hometown Flyers, uh, Scotty Upshaw and Joffrey Loophole, uh, absolute legends and beauties. Shane O'Brien, um, one of my best friends who played a long time in the NHL, Eric Nystrom. I mean, a long list, but I, I, I had the privilege of watching these guys and how they perform on a daily basis, how they, you know, how they how they are in the off season and how they take care of their bodies and what they eat and stuff like that. So, not yeah, Shane, but the rest of them. For the, yeah, he likes to eat though. He likes to eat a little too much, but that's okay. Um, I love it. But uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, the, the off season when you when you win a Stanley Cup or any championship with that, your off season is so short, right? Um, 
and uh, look, they came, they came right back at it, man. Just uh, they were, they had another good year the year after. You know, they, they did. obviously they didn't, they didn't get to the finals, but uh, they had another great year, and they they're still spots. continuing to rock, man. Yeah, Craig that, 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 Yeah, he's the man. Craig, he's a he's obviously, uh, you know, Philly legend, and he lived up in the area I grew up in in Bucks County. So yes. let's go back to your youth, though. Growing yeah, up in man. Philly, where are you from? Where did you go to school? And uh, kind of, you know, when you got out of Philly, where did your path kind of take you? Yeah, so I, I was actually born in Paris, France, believe it or not. Uh, my father's from Europe. My family's well, my father's side's originally from Italy. They migrated up to Paris. I was born in Paris. I lived there for seven years. Um, my whole father's family's over there in, in Paris. And uh, Can you speak French? Seven, I speak French. Yeah, uh, je pense, Dude, je pense, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. You know, uh, you know the category, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. use it enough though. It's almost cheating. <laughs> um, but my mother's a my mother's a good Northeast Philadelphia woman. She's an incredible person, and uh, she had moved out to Paris to be with my father. I was I, I lived there for seven years from birth to seven, and eventually my mom kind of said, you know, to my dad, you know, I, we have a, you have a beautiful family, we have a huge family here, but you know, I, I really would like my children to have American educations um, and to kind of you know grow up back where I I come from. Um, I think it might be better for them. You know, my my father's family came um, from you know amazing people, uh, but you know, not a lot of money, tough situations, tough neighborhoods, um, and so. Uh, my father agreed, and we moved to Northeast Philly, where again, where my mother's from. And uh, yeah, I grew up in a great area in Northeast, um, bustle in the Red Line area, um, and you know, met my best friends and had a great childhood. Uh, went to George Washington High School, uh, Philadelphia Public School in the Northeast, right on Bustleton. There, we graduated high school with Kevin Hart. You know, him and I were in the same class. Uh, it's a shame they have a we lot of school together. He's uh, he, uh, if it wasn't for him, I might be the most famous guy in that school. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of notable people that have. No, they do. I played with Sharif Floyd at Florida. He was a first round pick. Of course, of yeah. Course, yeah. Stud. What's he doing these days? So Sharif had a. Yeah, Sharif had a quad injury when he was with the Vikings. Now he's coaching the University of Florida. He's back there, uh, doing uh, a great job. A Philly legend does a lot for the community. Uh, great guy. Great. One of the reasons why I went to Florida. That's why I got the. Gator shirt on the Gator mug. I Even saw I'm a, that. I'm a Temple Al. My wife went to Baylor post grad, but we met at Florida undergrad. Amazing. So yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a great place. I was with. Uh, I got something real quick about Baylor. I got a. I just saw him last night. His name's Austin Mills. Do you know that name? Hmm. Maybe I should, but I do not. He's a he's a YouTube legend, basketball player, played ball at Baylor. He went to Beverly Hills High. Um, one of the as good a shooter as he gets. I mean, he's okay. his trick shots and shit. he's he's all I don't know, but anyway, he's a big Baylor guy. He went to Baylor. They won it, they won it all last year. He wasn't on that team, but anyway, he's a, he'd be a great guy to maybe get on the pod. But, all right, we'll get him on the um, pod. So, what was after George Washington? Yeah, so uh, graduated from George Washington. I uh, I went to school for one year uh, at Nichols College uh, out just outside of Worcester, Mass. Uh, played hockey there for a coach named John Carter, who was a seventh player award winner for the Boston Bruins, who lost his eye. He played with one eye um, for a little bit. Uh, awesome, awesome coach. It was his first year coach. Um, I won team. I won team rookie of the year that year. I had a really good year. It was a really, really, really small college. Um, wasn't coming from a huge high school in a huge neighborhood. Going to that really small rural uh, New England campus wasn't really my thing. Um, 
but uh, I had a good, I had a great time playing hockey there, but I knew I wanted some, I didn't, I didn't think that was the right fit for me. And so I, and I had, you know, I was never the best student in the world, but I did do, I really worked really hard in that first semester to get good grades and um, work hard in, in hockey. And I, I applied to the university of Pittsburgh where a lot of my best friends from Philly went uh, I, I thought it would be a great uh, opportunity if I could even get in, which I didn't think I would, um, to be honest, uh, to be able to stay within in the state of Pennsylvania, but be far away where I'm not close to home. Um, and so I applied. I wrote a really, you know, solid from the heart essay about you know me wanting to become more and focusing more on education and being better in, in life overall. And I got accepted to Pitt, um, which Go was Panthers. a huge honor. Yeah, man. And uh, so I went to Pitt. I transferred to the University of Pittsburgh, graduated from Pitt, um, had a great time, met some great friends, uh, had a great time being a sports fan at Pitt. They were great in sports at the time when I was there, basketball and football. Um, and uh, after Pitt, after my senior year, my stepsister had, was going to USC here in Southern California and in grad school and kept kind of in my ear, hey, you should come check out LA. You should come check out LA. You're a Philly guy. You love New York. You grow. You know, I was planning on moving to New York. That was my that was my plan. But she's in my ear. You should come visit me. I think you love LA. You're a hustler by nature. You should come check it out. You might do well here. Blah, blah, blah. And she somehow convinced me to come visit her for a week. And I'll never forget the morning I woke up. She lived right by Running Canyon. If anyone listening is familiar with LA and Running Canyon, it's a trail that goes up the mountain. It's very popular. People bring their dogs. It's beautiful. It overlooks the whole city. It's in a great neighborhood in West Hollywood. Um, and I woke up in the morning and I just went outside and I'm like, what is this? You know, and this is, I'm coming from living in Pittsburgh for four years. I'm from Northeast Philly. Cold. This rain. is like, is this, yeah. I mean, there's girls everywhere with their dogs and they're, they're all fit. No one's – I listen, I love Philly. I love my people, but they don't look like Philly people. <laughs> They're all um, No, but I, I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, this is great. Let me see what I – you know, let me get a little taste of this town. And I stayed for a week, kind of fell in love with it, went back to college, graduated, um, moved back to Philly, bartended for about six months at one of my friend's clubs in Northeast, um, and packed up my truck, man, and – I took the plunge, drove cross country with a friend of mine. We did a full trip out of it. Um, actually, this is a, you'll, you'll like this. Um, uh, it was the time we planned the trip for me to move to California around the Eagles because I was certain the Eagles were going to the Super Bowl, which was in Houston, Texas at the time. And we were certain that they were going to beat Carolina Panthers. Oh, that was probably lost. They lost. That was my first game I remember watching was Panthers-Patriots when the Patriots won the probably start of their dynasty. Yes. So um, we were certain we were beating the Carolina Panthers. So we planned the trip around that to end up in Houston. We got tickets to the Super Bowl. We were dialed. And Carolina upset the birds at home. And we were devastated. So anyway, we're, we're doing the same path. We're still going to the game. We're do, still you know on, on course. And we get to Houston and it's just all Boston and Carolina fans, mostly, you know, mostly Boston, a lot of Carolina fans too, of course, but it was all Boston people. Yeah. And we were just like, no, we can't, we can't be here. This is, this is miserable. So we sold our tickets. We took off. 
we went straight to Phoenix, uh, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, where he had a, my buddy had a friend there, uh, watched the Super Bowl from there, but we went to the, now it's called the Waste Management Open, but at the time I think it was called the Phoenix Open, uh, which was an awesome experience in itself. And eventually we ended up in LA where uh, I moved in with a buddy of mine and started my path, my life in Southern California. And 19 years later, man, I'm here in LA. I live in a beautiful place here in LA and I've got a beautiful office with amazing people that I work with. Uh, I've got amazing friends. I spend a lot of my personal time down in Newport beach. I'm usually there every weekend, which is where most of my best friends live. Uh, if anybody listening has never been to Southern California, especially orange County, Newport beach, Laguna, Huntington, put it on the list. Cause it is, in my opinion, it's as nice as anywhere in the country or the world. It's just heaven. I love it. I spent a lot of my time there. I, I have since I moved out here. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. So we went to San Diego, spent some time there, another beautiful place, hung out, had a great time awesome. with some friends that live in PB and and uh, just had a ball with them. And then we worked our way up. We had a went to Health Expo West, this awesome little convention um, in Anaheim, hit that real quick, and then drove up to spend a quick night Um you know, just north of the hotel there in Venice in a hotel. And then we had a roll out of town, but I get it. I get why people live in South, you know, Southern California. I understand. I kept saying on drive up because we took the long way. We did take Pacific yeah. Coach Highway. It's a little bit more North, but we went through Laguna. We worked our way up and I was like, all right, I understand this now. I hit Newport and I was just oh. like thinking, I was thinking of missing curfew so much <laughs> when you guys, when and you know what they're doing there. Like the whole time I'm like, I'm sure like Shane and Uppy and, uh, uh, Larry are at some bar. You know, you guys are always they're at some bar on the beach. They got to be on the bar on the beach right here somewhere. Yeah. We, 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 all you had to do was pop your head in one of the bars. You'd find us. Yeah. Talk about uh, missing nah, curfew, they, man. Yeah. I was just about to get into that. So, um, yeah. Missing curfew is an incredible podcast. It was started uh, by Shane O'Brien and Scotty Upshaw. Uh, Shane O'Brien now always had this vision. So, Obi, for those of you who don't know Shane O'Brien, uh, he was a tough guy in the NHL. He's a Port Hope, Ontario native, big, strong Irishman with big old paws on him. And he loves to mix it up. And he was a mean son of a gun uh, on the ice. And um, he loves the game. He's a, he's a hockey purist. Um, he can talk the game. He understands the game. He's old school in nature. And he's always wanted to continue past his career to get involved in media uh, within the NHL. And so he had a vision to start a podcast called Missing Curfew. Um, him and Scotty Upshaw did it together. Uh, also, they had our boy, Jimmy Hayes, who mm. played in NHL for a long time, uh, who we lost this year. Um, very, very sad story. Very but, sad. Um, it was a, it, yeah, um, he was a great friend, and he, he, he brought a lot to the table with the podcast. Um, but... Uh, yeah, we lost him, but the, you know, Uppy and Obi still obviously continued on with the pod, and um, it's more of a it's it's really a guy's guy podcast. Uh, they generally like to bring on what's called friends of the pod. You know, a lot of podcasts bring on people, you know, which is the standard. Bring on people that you don't know, you want to learn about them, you want your listening listeners to understand, you know, to learn about someone. Uh, and their stories. Uh, but Missing Curfew kind of had a little bit of a different spin where they really wanted to bring on friends. And they, my boys in the NHL, you know, Obi, Oppie, Loops, like they were, anybody that knows the NHL that was, that played in the NHL would look at those guys as 
you know, those are guys, if we wanted to have a good time and we wanted to be quote unquote, like we want to be in a cool crowd, like <laughs> you go hang out with those guys. They were studs right? in Philly. Oh, Loop on yeah. Upshaw were absolutely studs in Philly. Fuck, they, didn't, they didn't hold back, man. Nobody no. was safe in Philly. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Dry but, Island. Yeah, man. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so they, they started the podcast. It, it, it's still rocking and rolling. It's, it's growing uh, exponentially. It, um, they've made me a part of it from day one. Uh, I like to, you know, in my group of best friends, I like to consider myself, if not, I like to consider myself, if not the funniest, one of the funniest, but I think I'm a fun. <laughs> but, You're yeah, a great personality that, like, to be on the show for sure. Again, I heard you on spitting yeah. chicklets. It all started the first time you were on chicklets was probably because of the blue stuff, right? It was. Yeah. So that kind of boom kicked you off, and exactly, yeah. And then you're now you're a mainstay on the show. It's I mean it's a, it's a great show. I'm a I'm a Chicklets fan. I'm a hockey yeah. fan. Everyone knows to listen to that, and they're they do amazing work. They're top in the world. Yeah, but like yeah. you said, Merson Curfew is a different angle. It's a different. Actually, Rear Admiral's been on the pod. This Rear Admiral's our number one podcast. What over Adam Schefter over Christian McCaffrey? Mike, my buddy Mike Burton was big too. Are you serious? That's Dude, he, actually amazing. He was so gracious. He retweeted everything. Uh, like just, and then all the guys were like liking it. Like it was unbelievable. It was more than you, I don't expect anything other than just appreciate you coming on your time. And he went above and beyond. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's great. Hockey community is um, awesome, man. It's such a great, community. it's, 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 it's an incredible community. It's, it's very, very close knit. Um, there's a, one degree of separation for anybody, um, that's in the hockey world. Um, it really is a special place. I'm honored to be in some capacity still involved in the hockey world. Um, you know, most guys, not all, but most guys that play in the NHL or in the hockey world or fans, um, you know, I get a lot of business from that world. It, it's great to know that I can still serve that community and be a part of it and be a part of missing curvy podcast, missing curvy podcast. And I just brokered a deal. Uh, they're going to be giving me my own segment uh, every other episode for about 30 minutes um wow. which is going to be which is going to be incredible um it's going to be called there was, there was a there was a joke that goes back years years back within people in the hockey community that would say you know who the fuck is Larry Flowers you know, <laughs> I, I keep hearing this guy who the fuck is Larry Flowers and so I created this little idea which was the name of the original episode that I did on this curfew the name of the episode was called who the fuck with an with an at thing instead of the you uh, who the fact is what Canadians always say. Who the fact is Larry Flowers? That was the name of the episode. And that's going to be the name of the of the, my segment. It's going to be a, an interactive opportunity for fans to, you know, chime in through our social media platform and ask me questions, whether they be personal, whether it be about my opinions on sports, whether whatever sport, hockey or football or whatever it might be. Um, talk about jewelry, watches. You know, and we'll go through with the producers and kind of figure out what we like and what questions we want to kind of dive into. And, create a segment out of it and see how it goes. But you know, a lot of people, I'm so, I'm so grateful that a lot of the listeners really do. You know, I get a lot of, a lot of people talk shit too. They like to like chime me a little bit, but that's okay. You're uh, a Philly guy. That's what I expected. But, you know, if you, yeah, you weren't from Philly. Totally. If you were from uh, South beach, you'd be way different. Like, oh, it's just Larry flowers, I, but and being a Philly uh, transplant, totally. Philly transplant is such a fun thing. Cause Philly's everywhere. The Northeast is everywhere. I, I don't know why, but we're it, we're literally everywhere. It's crazy. Like we spend a ton of time in Key West, Florida, and everywhere you go, every bartender 
every other one is like, yep, I'm from Philly. I'm from I'm like, really? It's like crazy, man. It's crazy. There's a big, well, I'm sure there's a big group in LA. Oh my goodness. Um, first of all, I went to the Lakers Sixers game last night here at a uh, crypto.com center. Um, it was packed with Philly people. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl year, they played in L.A. twice. They played the Chargers and the Rams in L.A. And both of those games were easy 70% Eagles fans. It was – makes your hair on your, on your arms stand up. That's we how played, crazy it was. We played at home this year. <laughs> we should have beat the Birds. <laughs> we were winning, you know, handily two scores throughout the I game. The game well. Well. They, they blocked the punt. And yeah. really, the, we, you know, the game, we couldn't get a couple first downs. It was just a mess. And then they end up winning. But on our last drive, we had to go silent cadence in Charlotte because it was so Come loud. on. No way. Made me sick. Made me sick. <laughs> but I get it. But I get <laughs> it, Larry. But I get it. Hey, listen, man. I, I'm, you know, I didn't grow up an Eagles fan. I grew up a diehard Flyers fan. Uh, I've grown to become a Sixers fan. I've grown to become a Phillies fan. I was lucky in high school. The Phillies were rolling, like rolling. It was like a hundred win seasons every year. All the aces. It was incredible. It was incredible. Like that was such a unique thing for me. So I just had family members that like were in and out of the NFL coaching or, you know, somewhat playing. So that's, we followed their teams, you know, that's why we were doing that, but obviously supporter of the Eagles, but yeah, for them to, I mean, it was we got cheered out of our own stadium, but we weren't cheering for us. They were cheering for the Eagles. So it was, yeah, it was a tough day. It's a tough day at the office. Pretty cool. Listen, Eagles, Eagles fans are a unique bunch. The Philadelphia Eagles, Philadelphia sports is very special. Um, those fans are crazy. There's no doubt about it. But they care. They, they're passionate. They'll let you know how they feel. Um, but yeah, so I mean, listen, when, when when I first moved to LA, I I was working. I was the head bartender of Saddle Ranch, a bar right on Sunset there. Uh, for four and a half years, which was an awesome experience of my life. But at the time, you know, you could wear whatever you want. And I would always wear Eagles or Phillies hats. That's, I mean, I still pretty much do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I would meet people from all over the world and there'd be people every weekend and from all over. And that Phillies hat or that Eagles hat is, it's like, it's like the, the Batman, like the, the light, right? It's like when someone is from Philly and they see that, they, no matter what, they come up to you. They let you know, hey, where are you from? How are you? Good to meet you. What's going on? Let's be friends. It's guaranteed. Um, Every that's, other that's, bar we walk by in uh, Pacific Beach when we were in San Diego, like who's claiming the, the Eagles, right? Because you could see it. Like if you're a bar and you're opening a business, it's brilliant to fly an Eagles flag out there really? because traveling-wise – Right. I think the Ravens are in that part too. There's a really big Ravens. Like I, I know a lot of Ravens fans. That's why probably, but I just know like Eagles, Pittsburgh, Green Bay. It's chaos. But specifically Eagles, because okay. you're right. People come up to you. Like they don't you're great. You could be wearing a you could be a you know, a whatever, St. Louis Cardinals fan. But people, you know, you could be from St. Louis too. Like no one says a word, but something about I mean, even, even last even last night, man, at the Lakers game. I mean, I wore my zip up uh sixers jacket and stuff and i mean there's a million people there wearing sixer stuff but you walk by one of them hey what's up man where are you where are you from it's like it's it's overwhelming but it's it's a it's a it's an amazing thing it's it's, it's cool to be a part of that type of a community um i love philadelphia i love everything philadelphia represents 
Um, I love to get back. I get back to Philly, you know, all the time. I have my place down in Jersey Shore uh, where I spent a lot of my summers still. I need to go home, man. I need, I need my fix. I need to get back to my roots as much as I can. But again, in my, in my summers, I go back to Margate, New Jersey. I usually spend about two months out of the summer back there. My mom lives down the street. I got my own place. All my friends I grew up with, everything's real nice. And I love my Philly people, man. I love the Philly culture. And uh, yeah, man, I, as a matter of fact, I ran, into a, I ran into one of my best buddies yesterday at the Lakers game, uh, who also was a graduate of uh, Archbishop Wood. He's a soccer legend at Wood, actually. There you yeah, go. Richie Million. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're an Archbishop Woods everywhere, too. Now, as we totally. wrap things up, and we'll be getting together down the shore this summer for sure. Uh, 100%. As we wrap things up, all right, I'm buying a watch. I'm a new watch buyer. I want to get in the Rolex game. I'm a simple guy. I don't like a lot of bling, a lot of flash. What am I buying? Yeah, no, great question. So um, you can never go wrong with a nice date just, you know, whether you want to do smooth bezel or fluted bezel or Jubilee or oyster band. Um, they're great time pieces. Listen, I'm really big in it's one thing for someone to want to sell a client anything. Uh, I'm really big on value. I, I always advise, I often get clients that reach out to me asking me about a specific time piece or something. Um, and I will attempt if I think it's the right thing to do at the time. Uh, in that moment to pull them away from whatever they're interested in for the sheer fact that long-term value may not, it may not be there. And, and I want my clients to purchase wise items, things that will always hold their value, if not go up in value. And so anything Rolex, obviously there's the big four Rolex, Audemars Piquet, uh, Richard Milley, uh, Patek Philippe. Those are the big four, uh, which what I sell the most of. Uh, but Rolex is the standard. That's what I sell the most of when it comes to watches. Um, you know, the stainless steel Rolexes, they're kind of through the roof right now on market. But anything quality, good Rolex, a good, nice date just for entry-level watch, you know, they go for 14 grand, give or take, depending on what you want to get. You can get a nice two-tone too, spend a little bit more money. Um, but you can never go wrong with Rolex. It's basically taking money from one pocket into the next. Where, you know, if you buy, there's other brands and other models. Where, you know, if you buy them, you may like them, but then when you're maybe tired of it and you want to get out of it, you're going to take a beating on the back end when you go to sell it in because there's not a big market for it. So I'm really big on value. I'm big, I'm big on making sure my clients understand what they're purchasing and making a wise purchase. Um, and, you know, that, that also goes into my jewelry business. I Listen, I, I am a guy's guy jeweler. I take a lot of pride in what I do. I thrive. I, I pride myself in making sure that my clients get the absolute best pricing in the industry on, you know, custom jewelry, engagement rings, timepieces. But, you know, I, I, my, basically my motto in my business is I like to hit singles and ask for referrals in return. Um, I only offer desirable diamonds as diamond options for my clients' budgets. Uh, basically the same exact diamond that I would offer to my best friends for every individual client, making sure that it's more than just color and clarity, but having them understand, you know, the measurements and the make of a diamond when someone is getting engaged, there's so much detail that goes into diamonds where you, you know, I'm, I don't want to talk bad about anybody else in my industry, but, but you know, my industry does have a bit of a reputation for people trying to take advantage of clients. And uh, it's not in my nature to do that. It's in my nature to really get people the best of the best uh, for their money 
Again, hit singles, ask for referrals in return, ask for a little shout out on social media, grow my brand that way. Uh, my manufacturing, the best in the industry, all designer quality. I've built an incredible business where I can sleep at night really, really comfortably knowing that I took the best care of my clients, making sure they get the best for their money, uh, make their, you know, if they're buying jewelry or engagement rings, make their girls happy, make sure they're, get, they're paying the best price on market for watches. Um, my model has worked well for me. It suits my character. It suits the person that I want to be in my personal and my professional life. And, um, and yeah, and I, I'm, I'm grateful for everything that I have in my life and all the craziness that I've gone through and all the sad stories I've gone through and all the great stories I've gone through to get where I am now. And you know, I'm still relatively young. I'm still a pretty young guy and I've got a lot of energy still. And I've got a, you know, I've got, a, I, I'm very motivated to continue to grow my business and become even bigger and better. And, um, and yeah, I mean, and be able to go on podcasts like this with you guys like you is truly an honor for me, truly, um, you know, to, to be asked to be a part of someone's life and their network is an honor. And I appreciate you have, uh, bringing me on and, and having me be a part of this with you. No, I appreciate that. I mean, that's awesome info. One, two, I mean, I'm humbled and, and thankful that you would, you would join us and, you know, three, we got to get together on the shore and. You know, Not do one of these in person and just, you know, whatever, just mess around, have a couple of drinks, enjoy the summer. And I, again, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Check Larry out. He's all on social media, his website, support his business. And uh, Larry Flowers, man, yeah, thanks for coming anybody, on, brother. Yeah. yeah. If anybody wants to see me or you communicate with me, anything you need, Larry Flowers Jewelry on, on Instagram. That's kind of where I, I, most of my energy goes towards, is, uh, you know, not so much on Facebook, but yeah, man, anything anybody needs. But more importantly, again, Thank you for having me on. This was absolutely awesome. Uh, I cannot wait to meet in person. We'll chop it up. Uh, we'll chop it up down the shore, have some laughs, have a couple beers. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I look forward to that. And again, thank you. You're the man, man. Larry, appreciate everything, man. Awesome stories. Appreciate you, bro. Anytime, anytime. Maybe we'll try to get you on missing curfew eventually, man. We'll, we'll keep this going. Oh, after that would be actually. We're going we're gonna to make that happen. There's no doubt in my mind. I've already told the boys about you, by the way. These hockey pods need a football insider every once in a while. Just I'll just come we're on gonna, and just, you know, every once in a while. That's all. Let's grow, let's grow this thing. I'm in. Thanks, brother. My boy. God bless you, bro.